Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Pardon the interruption, but I'm Mike Wilbon. It's National Prom Day, Tony. Do you remember your prom? Tony Kornheiser, absolutely. I took my classmate, Amelia Earhart. Oh, I said to okay. her, Amy. I was going to start you know, counting back decades, age. but, no, you know. I called her Amy. I said, Amy, you've you got to keep your feet on the ground. And whatever else you do, you got to keep your feet on the ground. No. Yeah. That was a thing. You're dating yourself. That was a thing 50, 60 years ago. Nobody understands what you're talking about now. you got to be 60 to get the keep your feet on the ground reference. This was 80 years ago. What are you talking about? <laughs> Welcome to PTI, boys and girls. In today's episode, the Celtics blow out the Bucks. Saudi tour golfers feel they have something to prove at the Masters. And Jay Billis joins us for five good minutes. But we begin today with a comparison of the men's and women's final fours. The favorite in the men's tournament is Connecticut, which plays Miami tomorrow night. The favorite in the women's tournament is defending champion and unbeaten South Carolina, which plays Iowa and Caitlin Clark tonight. Wilbon, which favorite is most vulnerable to you? You know, Tony, I don't, I don't know enough about the four men's team. I don't care what Vegas says. I don't look at the field and see a favorite. I guess UConn because of what they've done to non-conference teams. I, 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 don't, I don't see some heavy favorite there. South Carolina is a heavy favorite. Are they vulnerable? I think you're vulnerable anytime you have to go against a truly great player, a player who's the outstanding player of the season. So if you go back and you look at great men's tournaments like Michigan State against Larry Bird, were they vulnerable, Michigan State? You know, Magic Johnson and Greg Kelser and Jay Vincent to, to, to Larry Bird? Yeah, they were. That game came down to fairly late. And so you get that. You get Luka Doncic in Phoenix last year, the number one seed in the Suns, and they lost Luka Doncic. So if if that's the case, if I'm going to use that as the basis for my answer, I'm going to say South Carolina. While I think think South Carolina is a big and legitimate favorite, I've watched Caitlin Clark all year long, and I think she can take out almost anybody. So I'm going to say South Carolina's a little vulnerable. I think anybody would be to her. So I would love to say South Carolina because I think it would be a great story if Caitlin Clark had the game of her life, which is saying something, because she had a 40-point triple-double the other day, and she took South Carolina, an unbeaten team, and took them out. But I don't think that's going to happen. And I will go back to that exact game of Michigan State and Magic Johnson against Indiana State and Larry Bird, which ends up at a 15- or 20-point game. That's what I think no, is going to happen. was it? South- South, yes, it was. It was like South a, Carolina is a game, much right? 15 or 20. South Carolina is a much more powerful team. And I don't think that Iowa and Caitlin Clark are prepared for how big and strong and defensive minded South Carolina is. So that leaves me in a default position to say that I think UConn 
is more vulnerable, even though UConn has been every bit as impressive as South Carolina. They both are plus 90 after four games in their respective tournaments. Yeah, and I could make yeah. a better case for UConn because as a four seed, they probably had tougher competition to some point than South Carolina as a one. The only thing I can say about this is, is Miami, I think, is 27-8 and eight on the year or maybe 29-7. and seven. Yeah, that's right. And UConn is 29-8, and eight, and Miami took out a 1-2, and a two, and UConn took out an 8-3. and a three. I could talk myself into this, Mike, but I don't think either is particularly vulnerable. I don't. Yeah, Tony, let me just add a little postscript here. Iowa can play, period. It's just not – Caitlin Clark's not the only – she may be the only great player, but they know how to play off of her. And South Carolina, which is the best defensive team out there, they're going to have to have one of their best defensive games. Otherwise, Tony, Iowa's team will shred you. They will. They got shooters everywhere. They know how to play off Caitlin Clark. I, I think you're sort of underestimating her, uh, them, them, not her. I know you wouldn't underestimate Caitlin Clark, but I think you're sort of underestimating the Hawkeyes and what kind of team they have. We'll see. We'll see. We'll see tonight. Exciting time to be watching that game in a couple of hours. Let's move to the NBA. And the Celtics crushing the Bucks in Milwaukee. The 41-point home loss is the second largest in Bucks history. Boston now stands only two back of Milwaukee for the top seed in the East with five to play. And they own the head-to-head tiebreaker if that, you know, comes into play. So, Tony, was last night's Celtics win? Big deal. Little deal. No deal at all. It's not no deal. It's not no deal. Even if... Boston doesn't catch Milwaukee, and neither of us thinks that they will catch Milwaukee. It's not no deal. Now, to be fair, Milwaukee was playing in a back-to-back, which is hard. And they had put 149 points against Indiana. And it's very possible they sort of shrugged and said, we don't need to put out in this game because last night's game was their fifth game in seven days. But even with all that, these are the two best teams in the Eastern Conference, and they are likely to meet in the playoffs to go to the NBA Finals. So it's at least a little deal. I mean, that's my position here is that when last year, Boston eliminated Milwaukee from the playoffs. They beat them in Milwaukee in a game six, elimination game. They beat them in Boston in game seven, elimination game. So when Milwaukee looks across the court at Boston, they're not looking at Orlando there. This is an important game. And even with all the rationales, even with the fact that it's a back-to-back, even with the fact that the tiebreaker probably doesn't come into play, if you go down by 49 points to your big rival, you cannot toss that off. I'm sorry. That's the second largest deficit in the NBA this season. So that's something. Tony, my first thought was that, okay, Milwaukee is too resilient. They can just sort of dismiss this. And then I, I I, I actually did ask, some people in the industry, former coaches and players about it, and they thought it was at least something. It was noteworthy because they're at home like this. And, Tony, look, the Celtics have made it a mission. They lost last year to Golden State, and they are the team that has sort of made it a mission all year long to, to, to get rid of this hurt by coming back and winning everything this year. And so, look, we only got four and five games left for some teams, six left for some. We're right there. 
And the playoffs have really sort of spiritually started, Tony. And I wonder if that was a tell last night for the Celtics. But you're right about this. I agree with you 100% in this. Milwaukee, they're looking across the court and Boston saying, we're ready now. We're ready to go right now. We suffered this thing last year. We came up that short. Not going to happen. Let's go. And I wonder if that's the opening salvo of the Eastern Conference playoffs. Cam Smith, the reigning British Open champion and highest-ranked player on the Saudi tour, is looking forward to the Masters next week. Smith said, quote, I think for us internally, meaning the Saudi tour, resume the quote, there's a lot of chatter going on about these guys don't play real golf anymore. And I think it's BS, to be honest. And we want to show people that, unquote. Wilbon, do you agree with this perception and the need for the Saudi tour players to perform well at Augusta? Well, I agree that that is the perception. I don't have that perception. But the Saudi tour guys are right in that the PGA tour guys, formerly their brethren, believe that about them. And they're saying it about it at, you know, golf courses and tournaments and driving ranges, practice ranges across America. They are saying that. So, yeah, they're going to have to – this is this – is, they should take this personally. Look, Tony, I don't know if this was the case – 40, 50 years ago, 75 years ago. I don't know. But everybody has to play every sport with a chip on their shoulder now. And everybody has to come in finding haters, real or perceived. And so everybody's got a little bit of Michael Jordan and LeBradford Smith out there now, no matter if there's nothing at stake. And that's just the way sports are contested now. And I, I get, it annoys me sometimes, but I get it. And I think, yeah, the live guys are going to – it's time for them to own up. Let's see what yeah. they got. Let's see if they can take this on and, and take it a step further. I agree with the perception. I agree with the fact of the perception. These guys are playing 54 holes. They got no cut, and they are guaranteed money. So I, I agree with all that. And I think that if they perform badly – in the Masters, the PGA pros are going to look at them and just say, you guys are a bunch of clowns and you don't play anymore because you're guaranteed money wherever you go. Having said that, Mike, I would not be the slightest bit surprised if Dustin Johnson or Cam Smith won the Masters. Dustin Johnson won the Masters, I think, three years ago. And Cam Smith, in his last three Masters, finished second, tenth, and third. I, I, I do think there's pressure on them because there's world ranking points at stake. And I, I, this is the Saudi Tour guys' opportunity to go back at the PGA Tour guys, you know, not just to throw a T at them like Patrick Reed did, but to say we're as good as you just like we always were. I think Patrick Reed has won it. He could win it again. They got 18 guys from the Saudi Tour playing in the Masters, and eight of them have yeah. won majors. So I think it's yeah. a referendum. I think it's a put-up-or-shut-up time. I do. Let's take a break. Coming up, we will ask Jay Billis who he thinks has the edge between Florida Atlantic and San Diego State. We'll also ask him whether we have underrated UConn, all of us, all season. UConn, man. I know I have. I know Beating I did. Folks I underrated down. them. I, I underrated I, I, I the Big I didn't pay East them too. any attention. I didn't pay UConn yeah. any attention until like three weeks ago. The NFL schedule drops this week, and you can be there to catch all the action, live and in person, with Vivid Seats. Experience every touchdown, every tackle, and every eye-popping play of your favorite team. 
And to kick it off, Vivid Seats, the official ticketing partner of ESPN, is offering you $20 off your first $200 ticket purchase with code PTI. That's code PTI. Download the app or visit vividseats.com today. Vivid Seats. Experience it live. Have you ridden an electric e-bike yet? You need to check out Electric E-Bikes today, the number one selling e-bike in America. Two things stand out that bikers love about electric. Number one, the majority of their models come pre-assembled, so you don't need to be a bike savant to ride them. Number two, electric wants to empower riders to spend more time exploring outside on their bikes, so they've made range a priority. Long-range batteries allow riders to hit typically around 65 miles of range or up to 150 miles on some models. Bonus, electric has purposefully priced their bikes to be affordably awesome so you don't have to break the bank to get these sweet rides. See why people who have made the switch to electric bikes have fallen in love with biking again by visiting electricebikes.com. That's L-E-C-T-R-I-C-E-B-I-K-S.com. Let's get back into tomorrow's Final Four with our great friend from College Game Day, the impressively bald Jay Billis. So much better looking than both of us, Will Bond. All right, Jay, let's start with this. Wilbon is on the record as disliking the Final Four and being disinterested in this Final Four. Will you give him reasons to watch and pay attention? Oh, I think there are great reasons, Tony, to, to watch this Final Four and pay attention to it. First is, is the first-time participants for both Florida Atlantic and Miami you know, I think this Final Four is a lot like 1983 when Jim Valvano's NC State team won it. Remember, we had Houston, Phi Slamma Jamma against Louisville, the Doctors of Dunk in the headliner game. And then the, the prelim, if you want to call it that, was NC State, Georgia. And nobody seemed to care about that first game. And that's the game uh, where the national champion was, uh, you know, the NC State Wolfpack. And th- this is setting up in similar fashion. You know, UConn is the prohibitive favorite to win this. They've won each of their games by 15 or more points. They've steamrolled everybody. And I think people are looking at this as Miami versus UConn is the de facto national championship game. But I, I think that that glosses over the fact that both Florida Atlantic and San Diego State are really good. I, I think it's going to be compelling because all four of these teams can play. They play differently, but they can all play. All right, Jay, for the record, um, I am not jazzed by the Final Four, and I'm more excited about watching Caitlin Clark against South Carolina than I am the men's matchup. But I'm going to watch and be happy about it. But let's go back to the first game for a second, Florida Atlantic and San Diego State. What do you see as sort of the key matchups in your mind? What are you looking forward to the dynamic between those two? I think it's it's high-powered offense, uh, and Dusty May at Florida Atlantic, they run some really good offense, especially in transition. They, they don't go to the deep corners like a lot of teams do, but they, they have multiple guys that can grab a rebound and bring it up themselves, so they don't have to outlet it, uh, and they can really shoot it. Uh, they drive it. Uh, they're great passers. It's probably the best passing and cutting team. Uh, probably Florida Atlantic and UConn are the two best at it against San Diego State, which is a smash-mouth defensive team. I mean, they came out for their their uh, practice on Friday in this big arena, and most teams come out and they're shooting right away. They came out and did a violent blockout drill. <laughs> so it just sort of sets the stage that, 
that they're going to be the physical team full of seniors and grown men that know where the weight room is, and they're going to get their tempo. They're, they're like the Virginia of the West Coast in that way. Uh, they're going to get the, it to be a slower game, and the team that, that does a better job on the glass of getting second shots, getting loose balls, I think is going to wind up winning the game. If it gets into the mid-60s, I'll be shocked. Jay, is it possible we're going to look back at UConn having rolled people and having just beaten non-conference opponents into the ground all year? Are we going to look back at UConn and say, oh, my God, they were great and it just took us too long to figure it out? Yes, I do think so. So it reminds me a little bit of 2011 when Kemba Walker was there. You know, UConn lost, I think they were 9-9 nine and nine in the Big East that year. But the only games that they lost were Big East games. They won every non-conference game. in the Maui Invitational, you know, obviously the, the NCAA tournament. And this is setting up a lot like that. They don't have a Kemba Walker, but they've got great talent across the board. They're really deep. And if UConn wins the championship, this will be their fifth title since 1999. And it will be their fifth title with three different coaches. I can't think of a program that's done that in that short a period of time with three different captains at the helm. Uh, I think we'll have to put UConn with the Blue Bloods. But, but your point to this year, they were unranked before the season because people really didn't know what they had at the point guard position with Tristan Newton transferring in. And then they were ranked number one at the end of November and then went into a slide where they lost six of eight. But they cracked the code, and nobody's been better in this tournament. It hasn't been close. They, they've, they've dominated everybody. I will get you out of here on this real quick. You're probably too smart to be with us on Monday, so this is the last appearance on this. Do we put you down for UConn as the ultimate winner, Jay? Is that what you're saying? Well, first, your Monday show will be the poorer for it. You'll have to call it five lesser minutes. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I think UConn's the best team. Uh, I do think they'll win it, but, but I really believe that 1983 thing has some legs that you know, how many times have we come into this Final Four thinking we knew who was going to win? And then the team that, that, that was in what, what some would call the prelim game winds up winning it. You know, one of San Diego State or Florida Atlantic are going to play for the national championship. And they're both dangerous in different ways. But if UConn plays its best, Jordan Hawkins is, is ill right now. He didn't come to practice today. They kept him at the hotel. If he's compromised, something crazy could happen. But if UConn plays well, uh, they're going to win it. Thank you, Jay, as always. Thanks, Thank Jay. You so Appreciate much. it. You can catch Jay on a four-hour edition of College Game Day tomorrow. Four hours. Starting at 2 p.m. Eastern. Let's take one last break. Still to come, Shohei gets it done, but the Angels do not. Where have we heard that before the last half decade? And will the Suns, with Tony just commandeering the bandwagon to drive it himself, That's right. handle That's the right. Nuggets? Tonight, here in That's the exactly desert. That's exactly right. That's right. And by the way, we should say five great minutes with Jay. Because if he thinks it's going to be less. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sports book of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. 
We all know breakfast is an important part of your day. But sometimes when you're traveling for business, you end up staying at a hotel that doesn't offer any. You know what happens? You grab a cup of coffee and skip the meal entirely. We've all been there. But if you book a room at La Quinta by Wyndham, you can enjoy their free bright side breakfast featuring delicious baked goods, fruit, eggs, yogurt, and waffles. And really, who doesn't want to start their day with a fresh, hot waffle? Tonight, La Quinta, tomorrow you shine. Book direct at LQ.com. Happy time, people. Happy 58th birthday, Tom Barrasso. Barrasso was a Pittsburgh Penguins goalie when they won back-to-back Stanley Cups in 1991 and 92. Now, that team had Mario Lemieux and Yaramir Yager, so you could pretty much put any goalie out there and he'd be playing with a lead. Barrasso became the youngest goalie to ever win the Vesna Trophy in 1984 with Buffalo when he was just 18 years old. That season, Barrasso was also Rookie of the Year. He played 19 years in the NHL with Buffalo, Pittsburgh, Ottawa, Carolina, Toronto, and St. Louis. The Massachusetts native was the first American-born goalie to win 300 NHL games. He finished with 369 wins, and he's one of only six American-born goalies to win 300. Tony, I saw a lot of one of those series in the early 90s when Pittsburgh won. They beat the Blackhawks in the Stanley Cup Finals. If you would ask me before today, how long was Barrasso in the league? How many great years did he have? I was thinking it was a great but compacted period of time. Like, he played eight years and he had four good seasons. No, way wrong on this guy. Sneaky great, huh? Sneaky great. Happy anniversary, DeMar DeRozan. On this day last year, the Bulls guard scored 50 points in an overtime win against the Clippers. DeRozan thus became the 14th different player to reach 50 in the 2022 season, an NBA record. But just this last Wednesday, Drew Holiday became the 14th different player to hit 50 this season when he got 51 against Indiana. And there are 10 days left in the regular season to set a new record. So far this season, Luka Doncic has four 50-point games. Giannis Antetokounmpo and Damian Lillard have three each. But to put things in perspective, Will Chamberlain had 45 50-point games in a 1961-62 season. That's right, 45. As my dear friend Jalen Rose likes to say, there's a record book for Wilt, and there's one for everyone else. And don't forget it, boys and girls. Wilt, bow your head, and then start talking about the others. Happy trails to just two base stealers. There were 21 stolen bases on opening day yesterday. That's the most on opening day since 1907. Yeah, 1907. Only two would-be stealers were thrown out for success rate of 91.3%, which surely will encourage base stealing. On average, the length of game was 35 minutes less than opening day last year. Of the 15 games, 10 were finished in under three hours. Two games took only two hours and 14 minutes. The Yankees beat the Giants in two hours, 33 minutes, which is the shortest amount of time it has taken the Yankees to win at home in 180 games. And banning infield shifts is expected to increase ground ball hits by 2,000. This is all good news. Yeah, I guess it's good news, a good sign. I saw there were some three-hour-plus games, too. But they're moving in the right direction. You can't conquer the world overnight. I think it was a good start. One clarification, Wilbon was technically right. Michigan State beat Indiana State by 11, but it was larger than that That throughout most of the second half. Just right. Let's go to the big finish. The Bruins beat the Blue Jackets to wrap up the President's Trophy. Is that significant? 
No, because the team that win the President's Trophy often goes out early in the Stanley Cup playoffs. So I don't know that it is. Shohei threw six scoreless, struck out ten, left the game with a one nothing lead. But, of course, the Angels still lost your thoughts. Every game like this gets Shohei Otani that much closer to free agency. Wolves center Nas Reed out indefinitely after oh. suffering a broken wrist. Is that oh. a big deal? Huge deal because his statistical contribution, it doesn't measure up to his real contribution with energy and defense. and uh, Man, big blow for them. North Texas won the NIT. You impressed? Uh, not really. You know, honestly, it should be a tournament just for mid-majors. Last one, Nuggets at Suns tonight. Who you got? I got the Suns. Well, Murray and Jokic are questionable. So, I don't know. I'm going to take the Suns at home. Big night. A lot of hype. Kevin Durant on the court. And Tony, you're driving the bandwagon. You're driving the bandwagon. I got Kevin Durant. We're out of time. Trying to do better the next time. I'm Tony Kornheiser. I'm Mike Wilbon. Have a great weekend, Knuckleheads. You can get the podcast on the app or Apple Podcasts.